Punishment and karma are not at all the same. Punishment is objectively a bad thing. You do something wrong, you get punished. Mom says no cookies before dinner. You eat cookies before dinner. Mom catches you. You get sent to your room. You get grounded from going out with your friends for the weekend. Your favorite TV show you're not allowed to watch, whatever it may be. But you get in trouble. You get punished. You've done something wrong. You get something negative in exchange. Same thing happens on a bigger level later in life. Embezzle money from your job. Get caught. Go to jail. Crime. Punishment. Did something wrong. Got something objectively bad in exchange. Karma has no sense at all of rewards and punishments. Karma is not about what you've done that's right or wrong. I always say, you know, sadly, we've taken the, the concept of Santa Claus that so many of us in the West have grown up with, of that song that we sing and learn when we're little about, he knows if you've been good or bad, and that what we're gonna get on Christmas morning is based on if we've been good or bad. If you're good, you get lots of presents. You're bad, no presents. And we've taken in a, in a kind of collective way, even into a land, a culture, a religion that doesn't celebrate Christmas, that doesn't talk about Santa Claus. Nonetheless, we've brought this concept of karma as though God were sitting up there somewhere saying, you've been good, you get something good. You've been bad, you get something bad. And not only is that wrong, but it's actually a really, a really dangerous way of thinking because when we look at people, for example, who are very wealthy or very successful and people maybe who we know are crooked, are cheating, are not living according to Dharma. So many people ask, why is it that they are being rewarded for doing something wrong? As though the money were somehow a reward, as though somehow to be poor were a punishment, as though somehow to be successful were a reward. So we've brought in this real superficial and very judgmental, prejudiced way of looking at things. We put labels on things. We say money is good. Poverty is bad. Success is good. Failure is bad. Health is good. Sickness is bad. We put these labels on things. So that when, for example, success happens and it happens to someone who is corrupt, cheating, lying, in our minds we think, oh, 
the guy who's cheating gets rewarded. Therefore, I also should cheat. Therefore, there's nothing wrong with it. Karma is different. Karma is not dishing out rewards and punishments. Karma is doing two things. Number one, it is the scientific response to a stimuli. There is an action. There is an equal and opposite reaction. Newton's laws actually go very, very well with karma. That which you do, it comes back. Stimulus, response, action, reaction. You plant an apple seed, you get an apple tree. This is the law of nature. If I walk off this rooftop, I will fall to the ground. But not because I've been punished. I will walk, I will fall to the ground because of this thing called the law of gravity that grabs hold of my body and pulls it to the ground. In the same way, if I get an apple tree from an apple seed that I've planted, and I love apples, not that it was a reward from the universe. If I'm allergic to apples, it's not that it was a punishment from the universe. It's just a law of nature that says apple trees come from apple seeds and apple seeds become apple trees. So in the same way, in our karmic life, what we plant, what we sow, we reap. Not because the universe is trying to reward us or punish us, but simply because it is the reaction to the action that we've done. It is the response to the stimulus. And so if you find an apple tree in your life, you can be pretty sure that you planted an apple seed or that you allowed someone to plant an apple seed in your garden. Not because you've been punished, not because you've been rewarded, but simply because that is the result of the seed. Karma literally means action. What we get in exchange for the action is the fruits of the action, literally. Karm, fal. Fruit. Karma is the action, the seeds, the fruit is what comes. If you love it, we call it a sweet fruit. We call it a reward. You're allergic to it. It's bitter. You don't like it. We call it a punishment. But the universe, the law of karma is not rooted upon your likes and dislikes. What you think is sweet, what you think is bitter. It's rooted simply in turning seeds into trees. So if in your life, there are trees that feel bitter to you, that you don't like, that are causing suffering. Ask yourself, what seeds did I plant? Or what seeds did I allow someone else to plant in my life? And then ask yourself how you can plant different seeds in the future. But even before those different seeds sprout and become trees. 
Ask yourself how you can learn the lesson from the tree that is currently in your life. Because that's the second part of karma. So one, one part of karma, remember I said there were two parts. So one part of karma is just the fruit of the seeds that were planted. The second part of karma is that we all get that which is the most conducive for us to take our next step closer to the divine, to truth, to awakening, to enlightenment. So whatever situation you are in, know that that is the situation that is the most conducive for you to take your next step closest to the divine, closest to truth, closest to light. So ask yourself, what lesson am I supposed to learn from here? What is the point? What is the universe trying to teach me? Because just like you can't go into sixth grade until you learn everything you're supposed to learn in fifth grade, you'll have to keep repeating it. In the same way in life, we don't get to be free of the trees in our yard until we've learned whatever lessons they are there to teach us, until we've learned to stop planting those seeds. So whatever situation you are in, especially if there is an experience of suffering, ask yourself, what lesson am I supposed to learn? And also, lastly, ask yourself, is this the only way to look at it? Does this experience have to bring suffering? Is there an alternative here? Just because your husband was late coming home or your wife was late coming home or your kids were late coming home, just because your loved one did something you didn't want them to do, or didn't do something that you did want them to do. Do you have to get angry? Do you have to be miserable? Do you have to be stressed? We think that suffering is the only alternative to so many of life's situations. Of course I'm stressed. Of course I'm miserable. Of course I'm depressed. And we reinforce this for other people. We say, yeah, yeah, of course it's natural. What do you mean he was an hour late? What do you mean he forgot your birthday? What do you mean he said that? What do you mean your kids did that? My God, of course, yeah, you better be angry. You should be more angry. Yeah, I get very stressed and upset when that happens too. It's normal. It's natural. Don't worry. And so we've collectively created this normal of stress, of depression, of misery, based upon things in the outer world. Little, little things usually. Ask yourself, is there an alternative? Could I choose something different in this moment? And I'll tell you a secret I've learned. There's always an alternative. You can always choose love, choose peace. 
doesn't mean that we love whatever the universe sends us. Doesn't mean we love every karmic fruit that comes our way. Doesn't mean we say, oh, that was great, let's do that again. But it means that we are able to experience that moment without losing our peace, our love, our truth. It means we are able to be anchored and grounded and rooted in something that is deeper and more stable than just what's happening in the outer world. And when you do that, you start to find yourself able to break free of the cycle. And as Bhagwan Krishna reminded us in the Gita, the ultimate way to be free completely is to realize you're just a tool in God's hands. Just a tool in the Divine's hands. And surrender. Surrender your life. Every minute, every moment. To the Divine. Oh God, use me. Use me as a tool in your hands. And then we get free. And then whatever comes, we're able to take it with love, with joy. Look at Kunti. At the end of the war of Kurukshetra, she had lost so much. And Bhagwan Krishna says to her, Kunti, Kuch Mango, ask for something from me. You've suffered so much. What can I give you? What does she say? Give me hardship, O oh Lord. Give me suffering. And Bhagwan Krishna says, but you've suffered so much already. Why? She says, because what I have found is when things are going very well, you are far from me. When things have been the most difficult, you have been the closest. So even in the face of what Kunti had suffered, had experienced, in that war of Kurukshetra, in the Mahabharata, her prayer for more suffering. Why? Because it brought her closer to God. So there is always an alternative of how we think about things. Choose love. Choose peace. Choose God.